to Ephesians chapter 4. That's where we're going to be today. It's a fairly familiar passage for, for many. I don't want to assume that it's familiar, but a familiar passage. And, and I did notice that Larry said that you've enjoyed your speakers so far. <laughs> so the jury was out on me, right? <laughs> we'll see. You'll, you'll, you'll have to let me know after. But uh, this morning... I want to talk to you as a a local church that has not just been planted by people, but has been eternally planted in the heart of Jesus Christ in Landmark, Manitoba. You are here. You have a reason for being here that is bigger than yourselves. It's it's the heart of the Lord that, that you exist here in this time, this space, this geography, this context, this group of people that's here this morning. And I want to talk to you today about making music. We worshiped a little bit together this morning in music, but I want to talk to you in a more figurative way about making music. So we're going to turn to this somewhat familiar passage in Ephesians chapter 4 and start reading in verse 11. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll come up on the screen behind me. Starting in verse 11, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning or by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in what? Love. That's the interactive part of the message today. (laughs) No, there's more. So one of the things that we see when we look at verse 15 and 16 happens to be one of the underlying messages that I want to reinforce today. Um, In order to be the church, we need to actually recognize that in this life, and this life with Jesus in his kingdom, it's not just about me, it's about we. It's it's not just about me. Life with Jesus does not allow us to say just focused on me, myself, and I, like our Western culture loves to produce and that culture it wants to kind of keep creating in us that just focuses on me, myself, and I. Uh, But Jesus himself asked us to love God, to love our neighbor, and to love each other. The Lord's actually created this system in which you and I receive the most blessing, the most, the largest benefits out of a life of dependency, a life that's dependent on him, but is actually interdependent on one another. Sharing our gifts, our talents with one another, joining to create something that's far greater than the sum of its parts. As the church, many of you will know, we're not an organization We're an organism. We are what the Bible calls a body. We see that throughout the the New Testament. But today, I want to shift away from that image of being a body and change it to another image or metaphor to go back to what I was talking about, wanting to talk about making music together. I want to talk about the church as an orchestra. An orchestra. 
Now you tell me, again, interactive, so don't be shy. <laughs> if an orchestra has all of its players already in tuned with their instruments ready to go, but they never play anything, what do you call that? It's not a punchline, by the way. <laughs> what do you call it? Like, it's not a very good orchestra, is it? <laughs> right? Don't overthink it. It's kind of a useless orchestra. If everybody's there in their seats ready to play and they don't actually do anything. But what if that conductor, or actually if there's no conductor at all, and the percussionists all start playing and the trumpets just join in with them, everybody else just sits there and they finish out their song and ta-da, they're done. What kind of orchestra is that? <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty sad excuse for an orchestra. It's not working the way it needs to. Um, as a, an orchestra, an orchestra is only truly an orchestra when each individual watches that conductor to see their instruction of how that music is meant to come together and be interpreted together. And the musicians, they listen to all the other instruments around them and work to blend together, and they seek to serve the whole by adding and balancing their unique sound, what they're creating, and work it into concert with everybody else around them, creating this beautiful piece of music. The more that orchestra practices together, works together with the conductor, the greater the level of skill and music they are going to produce. It's just the way it works. It's like you, Landmark Christian Fellowship. Jesus, by his Holy Spirit, is the conductor, working in us and through us to create a sound that is made up of all the people that are here, serving together, serving one another, getting out of this place beyond the four walls, right? If we lose focus, if we lose our focus and stop actually listening to the conductor, we actually start to fall apart, don't we? We actually need each person doing their part, playing their part actively, using their gifts, their talents uh, to serve the Lord and to serve one another so that we can actually accomplish the mission we've been given. Because by no mistake, we've been given a mission as God's church. We've been given a mission to go, right? Not just sit here, right? So we want to invite others to join into the song, right? We want others that are, wherever they may be, however our life is intersecting with theirs, so that they can actually come in and join the song of the Lamb, to be able to worship Him too, to be able to join their individual voice, their sound into the mix, to be able to glorify the Lord. And our passage out of Ephesians today, I, I see five things. Don't get, don't get scared by five things. It doesn't mean that there are going to be five really long points and we're going to be here till 1230, right? So don't worry about that. Um, but I see there's five things that contribute to our capacity to serve the Lord and one another and our neighbor. And they, I don't know, I thought it was maybe clever, maybe not, maybe it seems very simple to you, but they all fall into the word music, M-U-S-I-C. So let's start with the M. The M is for maturity. We find it in verse 13. At the beginning of our Ephesians passage, we see these five gifts, these five offices for ministry that the Lord's given to help us 
and to help mature us as believers, as musicians. The apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers, these five gifts aren't so much about the people who actually have those particular giftings and function that way. It's more important actually how they're used and how they're directionally used to actually build up the church. When those gifts, those fivefold ministry, when that works in concert together, the result is actually a multiplication of skills and gifts and service in the church to each other, but also outside the four walls. It's, it's kind of like a clinician that comes in to work with an orchestra or to work with a particular section of that orchestra. Um, maybe they're going to work with the string section. Maybe they're going to work with the percussionist. Whatever it is, um, it could be somebody like an equipping evangelist. Let's use one of those five. They may be really skilled at being able to share their faith and see people come to know Jesus. But that's not actually their primary function. Their primary function as an equipping evangelist is actually to help you and me grow in our capacity to share our faith with other people. They're like that clinician that comes in and they're using their gifting and influence to actually help teach us to grow and unlock the things that the Holy Spirit's already put into you and so that it can get released. This is by way of illustration. When I was a young musician, uh, growing up in junior high, high school, I played the euphonium. Anybody know what a euphonium is? Oh, somebody knows what a euphonium is. I see that hand. Basically, it's a small version of a tuba. I played the tuba as well. Go tuba. And some of you have just, that might, your respect for me has, has, has dropped. But you know what? Tubas are awesome. But I was in this private music lesson with a fellow. Um, I had gotten the opportunity to sit with him. He had been playing the euphonium for 20 years. Uh, and so we sat together. He had me play some things. And he, he liked what I was playing. He liked my sound. Uh, but then he t said to me, he said, Okay, I want you to show me that you can fill this room with your sound. I didn't quite know what that meant, so I started blowing, and I started blowing louder and louder and louder, trying to fill the room with my sound. He just kind of waved, waved me off and smiled, and he says, oh, he said, whether you're playing the loudest blast or whether you're playing the smallest whisper, I want you to fill this room with your sound. He said, just close your eyes when you play. Just imagine this sound growing within you, out your mouth, through the bell of the instrument, and filling this space. Just kind of like a warm glow. And as I, as I followed his instructions, to my amazement, as I closed my eyes and I did what he said, there was this obvious shift in what I was producing. The room was filled with the sound in a way that it hadn't been filled before. It was actually a far more beautiful thing that I'd ever produced before. Uh, in that moment and in that experience totally transformed the way I thought and felt about playing my instrument and what it could do. You know what he had done? That man had helped draw a more mature sound out of me by showing me how to release what was already there. That's what those Ephesians 4 gifts are meant to do in the church. And I was able to add my new sound back to the orchestra, back to the concert band. I was able to encourage others that were playing with me 
could share my experience of what I had learned with them so that they could grow as well and multiply the skill and level of where we were at. Um, that's how these five-fold ministry gifts are meant to work. They're meant to help bring the church to maturity by teaching and equipping us to do the work of the ministry ourselves and unlock what God's already put into us by his spirit. So if you're here today, whether you can whether you can't sing a note or play an instrument at all. That's not the point of this illustration. The point is, you are an instrument. You have this unique sound, this unique way of being in the world, this gift that contributes to the whole. And Jesus is actually inviting you to keep growing and maturing in what it is that you're producing for his glory. Do you know what your gifts are? I hope you do. If you don't, find out. Talk to Larry, talk to your leadership. Maybe you have some uh, resources here as a church that can help you discover what some of those spiritual gifts are. If not, there's lots of spiritual gifts, kind of little tests online that help to at least get you started and focused on what those things might be and then work with your leadership to kind of focus in on the things that you're really good at and the way God's actually created you. Um, Because they're really meant for our health, for our growth. Um, And everyone actually needs to find their sweet spot. Like ideally, you know what? I know that in any local church, it's always hard to find volunteers for all sorts of things. I'm not up here today saying, you know, please serve, please, you know, please do this, please do that, please do more. That's not what I'm here to say at all. But the heart of, of, of anyone in, in leadership in a church is that their people would find that sweet spot, that place where their giftings really align with how it is that they're serving in the body of Christ. Um, we might need to do other things that we don't always like doing because you know, I, I know from being part of, of smaller churches where you have to wear multiple hats um, uh, often as you serve in a church. Um, but it's about serving and playing together, and doing that to your full potential. Um, I wanted to give you an illustration of what this can kind of look like in a real practical way. At our South Osborne Church, we have a lady there uh, who brings her violin almost every Sunday. And she um, simply listens to the Holy Spirit. She joins in, maybe it's off to the side somewhere or whatever, but she'll join in with the worship team and she is listening to what the Holy Spirit is doing and she is translating that actually out her fingers and through her bow into her violin in a way that actually prophetically speaks a message out to our congregation. I can't tell you how many times um, what she has been playing has actually touched people's hearts in a way that is well beyond words because it's actually the spirit of the Lord working through her and what she's playing to touch somebody else's spirit with what they needed to maybe hear and identify with that day. She's quite literally bringing herself as an instrument into worship on a Sunday morning, right? Um, But can I ask you, you know, when you come to church on a Sunday morning, do you bring your instrument? Are you ready to play? Or do you maybe leave your instrument, your gifts at home, 
and just kind of expect to sit in the orchestra while everybody else plays around you. It seems kind of ridiculous when you say it that way, doesn't it? <laughs> it's like, no, we're actually meant to come with who we are and add it in. We're a puzzle piece that is vital, that fits in. Your church needs you. If you haven't heard that from the front here, I, I know from Larry, the love that, that he and Ina have for this place and your leadership have for you as a people, they know they need you, they love you. <laughs> Far more than what you do, they love who you are. Um, but it's not because they simply want you to fill a ministry position, you know, or to use you for a while. We need each one of you because as we combine those gifts and talents together, there is a sound that gets generated. There is music that begins to flow from this place, from where we are today, out into this community in a way that multiplies and grows. Um, as you work and grow together, the Holy Spirit works in and through you all so you actually mature, not just individually, but together. It's not just about me. It's about we. And for those of you, I want to encourage you, for those of you who have been playing for a long time, you know how you fit. I want to encourage you with something. Look for ways and opportunities to pass on what you have learned. I want to encourage you with that. Sometimes we get frustrated as we get to a certain part of our journey and we go, well, what, am I, what can I do now? And often the people who were ahead of us who were teaching and bringing us along, they've gone away. Maybe they've gone to be with the Lord, who knows? But we all of a sudden find ourselves in the place where now it's me. I'm that person. And if I don't actually turn to that next generation and start giving out what I've been given, there's actually something that gets short-circuited and disconnected and there's a discomfort, there's a dissatisfaction that actually starts growing inside of us because we're actually meant to keep giving and making and joining that sound of who we are into the, what the body's doing. Didn't have that in my notes, but I don't know. Maybe that's for somebody here today. Jesus uses those things to pass on his love and his joy to other people. And in verse 13 it says, he wants to do that until we attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature, the fullness of Christ. Don't worry, that's the longest point out of this. All the other letters aren't this long. <laughs> that brings us to our second letter, U. Unity. That verse highlights the second way we serve together. It's through unity. Unity is actually something that's produced by the Holy Spirit. You can see in that passage, until we attain the unity of the faith, but further, if we back up in Ephesians, we see this highlighted. Um, Paul talks about it, and you see it highlighted uh, in verses, what is it again? Verses 1 to 6, I guess, in Ephesians. Uh, I'll just read it here. It's not up on the slides. I'll just read it starting in verse 1. I, Paul, therefore a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, 
with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. It's not the unity of our spirits, it's the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It's a unity that the Holy Spirit produces and owns. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Gosh, we could unpack that passage. It's such a beautiful passage of Scripture. But not only does this talk about the unity the Holy Spirit produces and the way we can posture ourselves to maintain that unity as we love one another, but we see what unites us. We have one Lord, one faith, one baptism into Jesus Christ as his church. That also means that it expands from me to we to maybe the other churches that are in this area as well and beyond. Sometimes people think that in order to have unity, people need to believe and, and act exactly the same way. That somehow unity comes through conformity. It doesn't. You know, at least not with an element of fear being introduced to maintain that conformity. <laughs> you know, but there are pieces of music, to keep going with that analogy, there's pieces of music that are, have been created for a large number of the same instrument. Did you know that there is a piece out there for 100 banjos? Can you imagine what that might sound like? 100 banjos all playing the same song together? Wow. Or a classic like 76 trombones. But those are unique in circumstance. Usually, an orchestra is, isn't made up of 60 of the same instruments, all playing exactly the same thing. An orchestra produces a sound that is made up of a diverse group of people that are uniting under the direction of a single conductor and their vision for the music. And if you hadn't picked up on it by now, it's Jesus, <laughs> just to be clear, in order to combine our voices together in harmony and in purpose to create something we could have never created on our own. There's this beautiful verse in Romans chapter 15. It says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus so that with one heart and mouth there is that music being played. With one heart and mouth, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. He wants to help us to do this. And what do you hear before an orchestra ever plays music? Yeah, you hear that person going, ha, right? Whatever that, if you, if you, if you like random facts, it's an A, by the way, that the oboe plays to tune everybody. Uh, everybody aligns with that, that sound in order to, to be a, come into unity together around a single pitch so that they're in step and in sync with one another. And it just so happens that in our case, Jesus is, also, is the conductor, but he's also the oboe player. <laughs> Rare. But he's the truth. He's the word. He's the plumb line. He's that pure tone, that pure pitch that we need to unite under to make that music together. Without Jesus to unite us by his spirit, we'd fall apart. And I suppose we could ask ourselves, what kind of sound do you produce here together as LCF? 
What kind of sound do you produce together? Are you in tune? <laughs> are you willing to work together and serve together? I think you likely are. But like every other local fellowship around, we all need to keep growing and maturing at this until Jesus brings us home or comes back to get us. <laughs> this is an ongoing process that's actually part of the way we serve one another. Um, and as a result, we're actually a tremendous force to be reckoned with when we actually get into unity and sync with one another. The amount of force and momentum that's generated is, is amazing. On the battlefield, we're unstoppable. Sorry to change some mixed metaphors on you here today. Um, but that leads us to our third letter, S, stability. So as we mature, M, as we mature in our understanding of Christ and you, as we unite under his banner, stability comes. And we see this need in verse 14. It says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, or by craftiness and deceitful schemes. See, as we grow together, as we love one another, it provides this stable platform for us to be able to serve from together and link arms together. In this passage, it's specifically talking about the need to unite under the same theology, doctrine, orthodoxy, if you want to call it that. Our shared faith together acts as this solid foundation and stability, this base to launch from. But it's not just about um, agreeing or agreeing to the right words or a particular statement of faith. Uh, it's about the relationship that you and I commit to together under the banner of that truth. The truth is the anchor. It's the source. But it also helps create the platform as we agree together to go after that together and unite under it together, under Jesus. And if I shrink that responsibility down to take it down from the orchestra down to a four-piece jazz band, you got the bass player, the drummer, the electric guitar player, and the piano player, or a vocalist, whatever. That, that group of musicians in that small group, they need to agree on a common vision together. They need to actually commit to one another, to work together, to make, work and make something happen together. And what they actually hold in common allows them to actually create a unique sound something that's never been created before in the same way as they grow together. They, they will even begin to sense where one another is going. They'll develop a communication and a shorthand that, that when one person kind of leads out in a particular way, the other musicians will come behind to support where they are, and vice versa, and they'll play off one another. They'll, it's, it's called being in the pocket, being in sync with one another, being on the same page, being in unity with one another. And that stable space that they create together actually spurs them on to take greater and greater creative risks together. Right? If I don't feel like I'm going to get supported, I'm not going to play out in that solo. But, you know, it's, it's just I'm going to shrink back. I'm just going to kind of blend in with everybody else unless I feel like I've got a stable place to be able to then sing out. But can you see the parallels to the church? I don't know. When we commit to being together in, in meaningful ways that are 
just beyond attending here on a Sunday morning, when we, we, when we actually launch into things that are greater and, and even sometimes more meaningful, like choosing to serve in an area of the church, uh, being a part of a small group, praying together, uh, inviting your friends to church, whatever the myriad of things that are out there uh, could look like for you, um, as those things happen, we begin to grow together. And it will sometimes actually um, surprise us that when somebody says, yeah, I got this idea, and other people go, hey, how can we support that? Or, hey, I want to be a part of that thing uh, and be a part of relationship growing in that area. Something beautiful actually starts to happen. Um, When we say to one another, I guess... What I'm searching for in my mind is there's practical ways that you can just show up, but in showing up, you say, Church, I'm committed to you. You know, I want to help us grow. Uh, I want to help create something special here. And these practical things that we that we start doing kind of build this unspoken musical trust together. We say, You're in this with me. Yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm in this with you. Let's go for it. And the result is something much stronger. Vision, togetherness, that gives us this underlying stability then to be able to launch from. I, intimacy. Wow. How many people like the word intimacy? I just feel a little, you know, kind of shrink back from those things. And there's reasons for that. Because intimacy requires trust, doesn't it? As you can imagine, as greater stability grows, it actually grows our ability to trust each other in relationship, whether those relationships are easy or hard. Without trust, there can actually never be true intimacy. We know that in our marriages, if you've bumped up against those things before, and in relationships with other people. But it will limit my ability to share the things that really, truly actually matter to me if I don't actually trust the people that I'm with. Right? I'll always always hold back. If I think that you're going to turn on me or that you don't have my back, why on earth would I open up my life to you? There's a couple of simple words. There's a phrase that Paul shares in verse 15 of Ephesians 4 that communicates this intimacy, what it's talking about. It's this little tiny phrase Speaking the truth in love. How are we truly loving each other? What kind of environment needs to be created for us to be able to speak the truth in love? Some people just think about that as, oh, we need to say really hard things to people. You know, when, they, when they're doing something wrong, and to be truly loving to them means pointing that out to them, and that's loving. And sometimes it is. But that's not the full breadth of what this phrase is talking about. Speaking the truth in love is speaking the truth in love in all of the things that we do. Um, One, one of the ways that this is built, this intimacy is built, is where, or an environment where it can be built, is where we've actually agreed that we are mutually accountable to one another. Oh, there's another one of those words, accountability. I'm going to kind of wriggle out of that. Don't want to be under anybody's thumb or control or 
But that's not what this is about. This is about mutual accountability. It means that us together, not me, but we, are working together at something. We're working to sharpen each other, to grow together, to expand together, to grow in our love for one another and the things of God together. In an orchestra or a band, there has to be an environment where we can talk about awkward things, maybe even fight about it, but come out on the other side as still friends because we still love each other. Why? Because you know that you love one another first. It's the bridge back, isn't it, from when you disagree. In a band, a small band, maybe some of you are in a, in a rock band or something like that. I don't know, maybe some of you play. Um, when you are in the studio and you're cutting a track together as a band, when you're really in sync and love each other and are working together, you have the freedom to be able to say, that totally sucked. Without everybody getting all offended and getting hurt and stuff and storming out the door. No, it's like, okay, let's try that track over again. Let's re-record it. Let's try it this way and do something a little bit different. If you don't have enough relationship, if you don't have enough intimacy together, if you don't have enough love for one another, you're actually not going to create something better than yourselves. You're actually going to create mediocre music if you don't have that strength of relationship to be able to build on together and push one another farther. You know, you never say what really needs saying in order to be able to get back on track for the greater good of the mission that you're on together. You know, like a good conductor, bringing it back to that orchestra, a good conductor will be extremely demanding of their musicians. They will demand the best. Negatively, they could lead through fear and intimidation, right? Uh, those are the actions of a selfish, arrogant person who isn't concerned about other people, but rather how they can use them to accomplish their own particular vision for something, right? Anybody ever been on the business end of, well, if you can't perform, you're replaceable, right? Thankfully, we have a gracious conductor, even though he demands everything from us. Jesus has shown that he's worthy of our trust. He's worthy of our allegiance. We can actually trust him with our very lives. When we play the wrong notes, what's he do? He's gracious to us. He helps us get back on track. Jesus expects that the way that he treats us, that in the same way, that's how we're going to treat others. Not only loving and treating one another with grace, but also holding each other to the highest standard we know as we follow Jesus and serve him together. So can you handle that kind of intimacy? Maybe you can, maybe you can't. I just want to encourage you. Trust and intimacy go together. How are you personally building that from yourself, from the me, to the we? Um, it's one of the reasons that people roll up their sleeves and put so many shoeboxes together here. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's the ladies' Bible study, prayer. It's the discipleship groups that you've got going. It's the home group that you might be a part of. Um, it's the Zoom prayer that you might have uh, during the week. Whatever that is, it's more than just about doing those particular things. It's about relationship. It's about growing together. You know, maybe 
some of you are, are part of, uh, I think I saw on your website, I don't know if it's still happening, but that emotional healthy discipleship courses. I don't know if that's happening or if that's old stuff, but, but maybe some of you are. These are all contexts for you not only to grow in your relationship to the Lord, but also to grow as a church family in different levels of intimacy with one another, relationship, love, growth, togetherness with each other in God's kingdom. And our last letter is the letter C. Dude, that sounded a little like Sesame Street, didn't it? <laughs> Brought to you by the letter C. So M-U-S-I-C. C is for completeness. It says at the very end of verse 13, it says, And so until we attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of God. Wow, I don't think I fully grasp what the fullness of Christ is supposed to be. <laughs> I just think it's going to be without equal and without scope when we truly see it for what it is. It will be something unfathomable to behold when he returns. Um, but that word for fullness, it refers to something that's complete, something that is perfect. It's achieved perfection. And I don't know about you, but I don't feel perfect Maybe you do, but I know, I know I don't. I know from my own lifetime in the church and serving the church, the church is far from perfect too. Um, I may be a precious saint in the kingdom of God, but I know my weaknesses. I know I'm still working on things with Jesus by the power of his Holy Spirit to see those areas of my weakness transformed by the power of his spirit and turned into strengths so that his power can actually work through me, those weaknesses, and create something more glorious that glorifies him. Ultimately, that perfection is only going to come when Jesus returns for his bride. You know, it, that's us, by the way, the church. As this church, we will be working with Jesus until he returns at growing in that maturity. It's not going to stop. Sometimes people tell me, Pastor, I've been through so much. When is it ever going to end? You know, like all, many of us have been in that place where I just finished dealing with this thing and now I have to deal with this other thing. When is it ever going to be done? And my response, speaking the truth in love, is, well, it stops when we get home. Yeah. Sometimes that's hard to hear. But Jesus has promised himself to us. He's promised to walk with us. He's promised to give us his Holy Spirit. He's promised and released the resources of heaven to us to be able to be, a, to, to be transformed in the here and now and to keep growing. We don't have to do this by ourselves, but you can also do it together. So as I close, there's certainly times I want to acknowledge this. There's certainly times that we all need a break. We all need to recharge from the activity of, of serving together. There's always grace for that with Jesus. Sometimes we need time to heal. Um, you as a body going through different transitions. Lord, where are you taking us? What are you, what's the next step on the journey for us? Um, sometimes you are taking a rest and sometimes you are taking a pause with certain things. But... Jesus will always call you back 
to keep playing, to keep contributing your sound along with everybody else, always. In fact, Jesus promised his Holy Spirit to actually strengthen you even when you feel like you're at your weakest. Any of you will know this verse. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power, the Lord's power, is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I'm going to boast all the more about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In one sense, that's where we can see that completeness happen in the here and now. Because he's the one completing us and working through us. So in the meantime, I just want to leave you with this. What would it mean for you to grow in your ability and for you all to play music together? What would that actually look like? It's a question. It's a challenge. It's something for you to ponder and pray into. How does your puzzle piece fit? You know, what part of the orchestra are you in? Together as a church does, after all, begin and start with us following Jesus first. But then... It has to be us making a choice to step up and show up because we're here for each other. So work at finding out where you fit, how you fit, healing, growing from any brokenness that would keep you from doing those things as well. Discover that best way that your gifts and your talents can morph into what you do together, whether you're here serving or whether you're in the marketplace serving whatever that looks like for you. What's Jesus speaking and doing in you today by his spirit? Because I can see it. The Holy Spirit's tugging on a couple of things in your hearts. I'm not meaning to start a long ministry time together. I'll leave up to Larry as to how he feels he wants to close the service. I just want to give that to you as an encouragement and a challenge. Because then what I want you to do is I want you to take a step of faith, not necessarily today, maybe it is today, but is to lift that instrument up and play your heart out. It's all for him anyway, right? Who are we doing it for? Take that next step of faith and see what happens. Amen.